Hi, I'm Stuart Hardy. What the fuck is Xmas? The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. Who am I? You're Stuart Hardy, kind of like a cynical elf. And who are you? I'm Rick Lee. You can think of me as Uncle Buck. And what's the point again? Well, at some point, everybody started calling Christmas Xmas, and we're trying to figure out why. These are some of the questions we ask every day when we read a paper. Stuart lights up for Christmas. Watch TV. Uh, crack open the eggnog and sit the kids in front of Channel 5 because they're showing back-to-back Christmas movies for the next five weeks. Or watch a movie. Fans of Christmas and maths fans have something very special to get excited about this holiday season. This is What the Fuck is Xmas, a Christmassy satire show full of spite and malice. This week, our bountiful bakers are rustling up 6,000 traditional mince pies. <laughs> Ooh, uh, excuse me, Mel, will I just mince pie? After a gruelling task, Richard Bacon is looking hot and bothered as he presents his mince pies to Paul and Mary. Well, they look delightful, but they're lacking a little on taste. Did you mill your own flour? I don't know if it's the quality of the flour that's the problem. Just let me show you something. You see, if I go along each one, just slipping my dick in each time, there's a a real problem with the uh, structure. Uh, Look, it's it's the whole batch. Same with that one. And... That one, that one, that one, that one, that one, oh, that one. Welcome to the section of the show that we like to call This Week I Watched, which we've bolted onto a section we featured previously called Blunt Movie Guide, where we give a blunt rundown of what's in cinemas. However, we have noticed that recently Channel 5... Remember them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, they're like the fifth channel, not one of the other four, the fifth one. Hence the name, channel number five. They didn't put the number in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, they do the usual crap, really. Reality TV, US imports. Uh, But for the last two weeks and running throughout December, their daytime schedules mostly consist of thousands upon thousands of Christmas films that you and no one else has ever heard of. Straight-to-TV Christmas films. Stuff that you can't even find online. (laughs) No, we were going to do a Rotten Tomatoes thing on this, but... No one cares. No one's even reviewed any of them. Do, do, does anyone else know if these exist? I think if we give these scores, actually, we effectively become <laughs> the leading kind of... Purveyors of these films. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. to kick us off, then. Meet the Santas. Mm. Um, as heir to the North Pole throne, Santa's son Nick had only one obligation, to find a new Mrs. Claus. Hello. And now he has, and it's time for family adjustments. Before he ties the knot with Beth, Nick Claus is doing everything he can to keep up his family tradition. He's aided by his patient North Pole executive assistant, Ernest, and working in a shop full of elves, but with his parents basking in the sunny Palm Spring requirement. So, sorry, can I just, sorry, can I just stop you there, you boringly rigid movie? Yeah, uh, I was looking at your script thinking, wow, he's written a lot That's about quite this a lot. And 
it, no, that's really just everything that's in the film. Thanks for telling me that, Channel 5. I really don't need to watch it now. One thing I noticed is, unbelievably, it's a sequel, this. So, I couldn't believe that when you told me that. <laughs> so, uh, apparently the first one was called Single Santa Seeks Mrs. Claus. To me, it's like, it kind of sounds like it's Meet the Fockers crossed with the Santa Claus with Tim Allen, which would be amazing, by the way writers out there um, but I don't think this is amazing well no it doesn't sound like that I'd wager it is just sort of what you just said but they couldn't be asked to do anything interesting with it I mean assumingly Channel 5 are doing this Xmas movie marathon thing as a way of keeping the kids occupied Mm. but think about that before letting them watch Channel 5 at the moment parents (laughs) because I don't know why any parent would let their kid watch Christmas movies at this point in December, because <laughs> it's just going to get them high on the faraway land of Christmas that, believe it or not, is still a few weeks away. So who are they doing this for? I decided that it must be for unemployed people and people with nothing to look forward to except for Christmas and have time to waste like us. So if you're one of them people, keep listening, because we've got a full rundown. A uh, couple more I found, one called The Christmas Gift. Most of these are just titles, aren't they? And someone's <laughs> cobbled together a script around um, it. Someone got a Christmas gift. Yeah, it, it's got orphans in it, so if you're looking for a Christmas movie, that should have already sold it for you, really. For, yeah, someone got an orphan a Christmas gift. Get the tears out. Oh, no. There's a dozen of these ones and variations on this theme. A Carol Christmas. Um, <laughs> a spirited take on the classic Christmas novel by Charles Dickens. More to come on that in a few weeks. Uh, Carol Cartman in this one, presumably no relation to the South Park character. Um, well, she does sort of talk like her. I have actually watched it. Did you? <laughs> yes, I've watched this one. Um, Carol Cartman is an egomaniacal TV talk show host who is determined to destroy the festive fun in the studio. Oh, but she's given a chance of redemption when she's haunted by the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future. All right, don't spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you could never guess that would happen. <laughs> My problem with this is a problem that I have with about 90% of sitcoms and mainstream comedy movies on grounds of laziness rule one. The main reason TV workers and ad executives are the main characters in movies is because they're usually the people writing or commissioning them. Oh, yeah. You're not allowed to do that. This is why I say that we should be commissioners, because if stuff like a Carol Christmas says anything, it's TV commissioners have no imagination. Some exec would just bore one day and gone, we need a Christmas movie to put out on a TV channel or something. What can we do that's sort of Christmassy? Um... Oh, I know. What if it's a Christmas carol starring people like us? Yeah. Dumb. Whatever, yeah, I guess. They could easily have done a sequel to this called Carol Ween or something. Basically, holiday-related movies starring a woman named Carol. There's a disproportionate amount of films (laughs) about the TV and filmmaking process. And executives and things. Have you noticed that every single Adam Sandler movie, he's an advert executive? (laughs) (laughs) Every single one. Hmm, I wonder why, because these films cost so much and have so much product placement in them. (laughs) It's an easy sell, isn't it? Pretty much. So yeah, uh, Carol Christmas, um, she's a bitch and visited by ghosts and then she isn't a bitch and and she works in TV. I, I, I say I've watched it. The absolute void of anything to say about it is immense. Oh, yeah, and she hates Christmas because she doesn't have a family. Oh. That's that, that's why people are bitches, you know. Now, now I feel for it. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, she said that. Yeah, the whole point of A Christmas Carol was to take the basic premise and flesh it out. How long do people take to come up with these movie premises? Minutes, I think, with most of these. <laughs> Seconds, this one. <laughs> 
Um, um, I also saw in the TV listings, it's Christmas Carol, which is the same film, <laughs> but a different one. <laughs> it's exactly the same idea, but a different movie, except she's a publishing executive in this one. And they've... Yeah, shifted the words around very slightly. Um, I saw one, uh, another one, Channel 5 will be showing this holiday season. I'm going to keep using that phrase because I hate it. Um, Christmas mail. Uh, sadly, it's mail M-A-I-L, not M-A-L-E. That's the one shown on the porn channel. I think, yeah, M-A-L. That probably exists as well. <laughs> probably. Similar premise. Um, without the sex, this one, though. 2010 Christmas movie, billed as, which was Channel 5, quite cutely, have billed as a premiere. As if you're going to think, Wow, I've been waiting I can for only this watch one. it here. <laughs> I've been waiting for this one to come to TV. All year. Um, you know, bless Channel 5. Even if no one else cares, you know, they kind of have to let other people know that they're quite pleased that they've got a well, premiere and they're not bothered if no one cares <laughs> well, no one cares because it's channel 5 no one remembers that they exist <laughs> uh, Christmas Returns to Canaan what's that um, that's a seasonal drama starring Billy Ray Cyrus and Gina Holden when Daniel's son Bobba Bobba are you, are you fucking yeah. kidding me <laughs> he's injured in a car accident blah 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 uh, Bobber invites a girl he meets, Bryony, home to Canaan to spend Christmas with his family and continue his treatment. Bryony is natural and caring at thri- and thriving for the family, but Sarah, Daniel's daughter, distances herself, not wanting to dishonour her late mother's memory, blah, 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 blah. Will his father be able to find the strength to let love back into his life? I assume that he will, because you've posed it as a rhetorical question, meaning, yes, this is the plot of our movie, viewer. Watch it as we pat you on the head with this rhetorical question of utter belief in your terminal stupidity. You know when I said we should run down the films that are going to be on Channel 5 this summer and give people a brief outline about them and then have a laugh at it? I... I, I didn't mean copy the whole blurb <laughs> <for> each one. <laughs> so- we're just going to tell them exactly what happens in everything, are we? Pretty much, yeah. If if you're bored by this, or hard of hearing, or you're having to listen to the rest offline, you could just go and read Channel 5's TV listing. That's pretty much <laughs> what we're doing here. Um, the Christmas Consultant, a 2012 movie with the Hoff. Uh, a family gets a consultant in to sort Christmas out. Um, and that consultant is, is the Hoff. Um, imagine that. That would ruin Christmas, wouldn't it? Um, the, but the mom feels displaced because uh, obviously that, that's mum's job isn't it to get worried about Christmas um, this was what the one where by the time I got to this point in the list and even this one wasn't on Rotten Tomatoes this only came out last year that isn't an age thing it's got David Hasselhoff in it's not even a profile is that the word kind of thing this is a reasonable profile a na- film well, he has a name he, there's 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 Hoff fans out there isn't there yeah You'd there's definitely Hoff fans of all the Hoff fans in the world from his 40 50 year TV career not one of them saw this film and thought I'm gonna go and put a little review on Rotten Tomatoes or somewhere else no that's no just one astounding. has reviewed this film um, so if you want to be the first The Christmas Consultant Showing on Channel 5 For it's you got, this Christmas It's got people in rooms Talking to each other And doing things Saying the word Christmas occasionally Next up Matchmaker Santa mm. Which is a festive romantic drama uh, Melanie is dating some CEO Justin But when he asks her To spend Christmas holidays with him the, uh, Yeah that's That's Christmas Okay Pretty much Okay And, so- and there's, a, there's a love triangle Christmas with a love triangle Potential for a threesome? Yeah, a Christmas threesome. What time is it showing? 3am uh, on Channel 5. Assumably. <laughs> Hitched for the holidays. Uh, two singletons pauses a couple for Christmas. 
That's it. That's that's what that movie was sold on. No, we don't really need to tell you anymore. I wonder if they'll fall in love. Uh, yeah. I looked at the guy who directed this one, somebody called Michael Scott, and I thought, I wonder, you know, like, when artists have to do stuff for, you know, they'll, they'll make beautiful artwork that they believe in, but occasionally a company will come along and go, we need some artwork for a new advert, and they think, well, I'm selling my soul a bit, but it enables me to do that wonderfully beautiful creative thing. In the meantime, that I don't really get any money for. So I thought, I wonder what else Michael Scott has done. Um, so the wonders of IMDb, I looked at his filmography. He just does TV <laughs> Christmas films. That's all he does. He's, I'm, kind of, I'm trying to imagine this guy. He must live literally 365 days in Christmas. He's like... <laughs> The go-to snowman. If you want to know how to get snow in California on the 3rd of July, go and see Michael Scott, because he's been practicing it every single year now. And he's, he's done his dream. He's got what he wanted. I want, I want to work in movies. I want to be a director. Wicked. Nice one, Michael Scott. You're doing it. But it's just Christmas movie, Christmas TV movie. No one cares about it. He's not even making Christmas classics. You know all your favorite Christmas movies? Didn't make any of them. He's just made all the Channel 5 ones. Yeah, um, note to people who actually like the song I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. That would be really depressing, <laughs> especially in this guy's case. He's living it. I really wouldn't be surprised if he threw himself off a building next year by the time he got bored with being Christmas every single day. Nor would I. Um, the next one feels like it should be in bullshit headlines. A Christmas honest. coral. Jane works for a sea life preservation society who are fighting the local mayors allowing a fishing trawler to catch all the innocent little fish over Christmas while they're away. That's that's a Christmas coral, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yes, a Christmas coral. So sea she, life preservation, so a Christmas she, coral. She and her <laughs> colleagues, Scott and Brock, um, trick fishermen into believing that they're visited by the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future to save the coral reef. Now, if you're thinking about seeing that one, don't. I made it up. Oh. But I bet you believe me there just for a second that someone had made that. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what the fuck just happened? Um, tricking you with lies and deceit. <laughs> Happy Christmas. Anyway, that's all the Christmas movie repeats that are on TV this year. But there is a brand new film coming out for you to take the kids along to. And we have a very exclusive trailer for it. Maths fans get excited. This Christmas, somebody was a sad little number. Why are you sad, Pi? Because I'm not a real number, Seven. I'm just a Greek representation of a decimal point. And Greek representations of decimal points don't get Christmas presents. The sad little non-number nobody loved. Here, Pi. I got you a Christmas present, Pi. Here you go! A multiplication sign, but that means I can be a real decimal point this Christmas! Thank you, Seven! Merry Christmas, Pi! Until one day... Oh no! It's Square Root! He's a mean mathematical symbol! Oh one, oh one, oh one, oh one, oh one! My multiplication sign, it had a syntax error! Oh, one, oh, one, oh, one, oh, ah, 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 ah. I divided your multiplication sign by itself. 
Oh, oh, oh. Now you'll never have a happy Christmas, you pathetic representation of a decimal points. Ah, ah, ah. Can Pi stop Square Root and have a happy Christmas? Pi! Square Root stole all of 28's Christmas presents! We must stop him! I've got the plan. Let us divide him by the radius of a circle. Christmas Pi. A Christmas movie for maths fans. Coming Christmas Eve 2013. Faux trance music. Bullshit headlines. These are the headlines for the week. The star, Amy and Joey to wed in new jungle fix. One of the Amys is going to marry a baby kangaroo. Yes, I know that this story has facts behind it, but it's more interesting with my interpretation. (laughs) Britain's as cold as Moscow. It's December, everybody. (laughs) Big surprise. Stuart lights up for Christmas. I was excited when I heard about this, Stuart. (laughs) Yeah. A dad of two who shares my name spends £3,000 on making his home into a gaudy Christmas grotto. I really bet his kids are going to appreciate the shiny pictures of all that useless crap when they can't afford tuition fees and accommodation fees in the future. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Dad, for all the wonderful memories while we're sleeping in a fucking box, you idiot. I want I want another headline next week. Other Stuart fights <laughs> back. <laughs> that would be brilliant. I'll give you a fiver. Um, the Mail. The new Beckingham Palace. The Daily Mail print explicit detailed blueprints of David and Victoria Beckham's new home, so just thought we'd be helpful and point it out to them both. If you get burgled, you know who's to blame. There is a serious issue there, isn't there? It really is a serious issue. Thatcher's £50,000 bequest to Crawfee. Uh, news that Maggie Thatcher allegedly left £50,000 to Cynthia Crawford, who was never ever known as Crawfee, we should point out. <laughs> In her will. And since this is the dullest story ever, I'm going to pretend it was payment for sexual favours. I hope it was. Let's just move on. <laughs> right, the Sunday People special appearance. Yeah, the reason that we've never had it before is they put barely any effort at all into their headlines. Let's just rattle off a few. Cory, sorry to Michelle. Joey fell for Amy three months ago. Hunky X didn't kill the Pasha and Rachel marriage. Yeah, if you know what any of those are actually about, switch off now because we're not for you. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I like. I really like this one. NCP bosses four-letter Hull insult. Hull insult. Yeah, Hull is in the place. You know, Hull. A car park firm's boss called Hull a shithole. I agree. It is. Can we be in a paper now? <laughs> Other places in this country that are shitholes: Luton, St Albans, Hatfield. There you go. Three towns. Give us an article, Sunday people. You missed out, Milton Keynes. <laughs> yeah, that too. I, I just thought the insult was going to be hole. I thought it called somewhere else hole. <laughs> Shit hole. It's like hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Four-letter insult. Um, Sharon Fury at Simon over Sam. Does Sam not like green eggs and ham. Sam, I am. Seriously, if you know what that's going on, please turn off. Turn yeah. off. We've already got your plate. We're not you. We're not for you. <laughs> the Sun. Front page exclusive ex-model shock. Annabelle. I'm a celesbian. The Sun are shocked that someone on I'm a Celebrity is a lesbian. Yeah, dear The Sun, some people are just lesbians and that's pretty much fine by everyone and everyone accepts it. It's 2013. Grow up. They also felt the need to point out that the lesbian was a carpenter. No one cares. Um, Mum, Pat, first bish. 
Uh, yeah, we need a translator again. Can we get that? <laughs> what does that mean? I, I thought I might as well mention here. If we had our own merchandise, I suggest we put Peak Hell Dog Lives on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. What does it mean? Who the fuck cares? <laughs> the son printed it. Um, Barton blasts Rongan Ryan in four-letter online rant. Footballer calls another footballer a C-word on Twitter. Pretty much it. Mm. Quarter hounder. This wasn't a thing looks like other thing. This was a new one. Thing can do thing. A dog can balance a cheeseburger on its head. (laughs) (laughs) The sub-headline was, Crazy Mutt uses his nut. And the caption was, Chow wow. Brilliant. God. Um, I spent £250,000 to be a real-life Barbie. This story keeps coming round. <laughs> this does keep coming round. Um, woman buys clothes, changes names, look like Barbie doll. It doesn't say if she had plastic skin grafts to ha- and have her genitalia removed to be actually like one, but... You'd assume so. Assumedly. It, with, in two hundred and fifty grand, you'd think that would have been, would have been included. Um, the Daily Mail. I'm dating a man, but I still fancy girls, says Tom. Oh, thank God for that, says everyone who reads the Daily Mail. Um, I actually saw this in the Standard a couple of days later, and I I really like how they laid this out, because on one page they had, Britain wants to tear down the bamboo curtain, says Cameron, and directly opposite on the next page, my guy makes me happy, but I still fancy girls, says Tom Daly. (laughs) That must have been a subversive jibe of that, it must have been. The Metro. Big guns out for X, X Factor. No, it's not a live TV massacre. The X Factor just got Katy Perry or one of the famous Katies to appear on it. Osborne steps away from Boris's low IQ view. George Osborne says that he doesn't agree with Boris Johnson's view that we have economic inequality because some people have low IQs. He thinks it's more to do with poor people smelling and just looking ghastly in their shell suits and their cardboard boxes. Yeah, this was just one of them news stories this week where as soon as George Osborne comes out and says Boris Johnson's not right there, you think... Fucking hell, talk about PR cooler. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, someone's been more of a snob than me. <laughs> Quick, get me in front of a camera. Yeah, but jo- Osborne was in the news so much this week. Two pages later I saw Lola's leading the charm offensive for Osborne, which oh, was yeah. George, George Osborne bought a puppy. Oh, look at the puppy. Vote for us because we have puppies. Oh, how fluffy and cuddly conservatives. Absolutely, totally, completely and utterly what that news story is actually about. <laughs> yeah. It was just going, darn. Oh, look at the puppy dog. Ignore Vote the, for us. Ignore the fact I'm closing your hospitals. <laughs> look at the puppy dog. Uh, I know how this tune goes. Um, an elephant does a piano duet with a man. Not, that, not really. Actually, uh, a, a, an elephant was photographed touching <laughs> a piano whilst the man was inexplicably playing a piano in a mud field surrounded by <laughs> elephants. It was a cute picture, though. Online shoppers spend 500 million on Mega Monday. Seriously, we've had Black Friday and Mega Monday. What's next? Oh, it's the third Thursday in February. It must be Thrifty Thursday. The Express. Get ready for the polar plunge. Is this another December story? Uh, yeah. Um, warning to everyone, the number of Celsius is outside is definitely going to reduce by six or seven, possibly ten points soon. Keep an eye on those numbers, maths fans. We might see a rare appearance of 2.4 degrees. I know that's a popular one. <laughs> Um, half of Brighton say quit EU now, according to the Express. That's the Express, everybody. Um, half of Britain, or 
people who read the Express in Britain <laughs> say we should leave the, the EU. Um, instead, I say, how about we do a survey for half of those Britons on whether they actually know what the EU does or means or have any understanding of how politics works. If you do understand how it works and why, then you're allowed to have an opinion on it. That's a new rule from now on. New rule. Beckham's on the red carpet. David Beckham and family go to an event. Uh, it would have been a perfect time to use those mansion blueprints the Mail published a few days earlier. <laughs> Strictly has given us so many magical moments. I was hoping for this to be kind of be like an inside look at Strictly contestants using the dark arts and ritual sacrifice to improve their dancing, but it's just people danced on Strictly and it looked pretty magical. Mm. The Daily Mail. I think they were running some sort of full-page competition on Wednesday. There were the there were these three headlines: sick gratitude, man who had a heart transplant is a heroin dealer, Britons pump forty-six billion pound into gambling machines, and finally, Kate sparkles in Queen Mum's diamond tiara. So, which do you think was the biggest waste of money? Is it the contestant number one, the dealer? Contestant two, Britain's gambling addictions? Or contestant three, the royal family. Text biggest waste of money, followed by your answer to 800 800 for your chance to have them all culled. Thanks. My local paper is making its return. Backed by popular demand. The Well in Hatfield Times, the most interesting paper imaginable. When I picked this up and I was passing through Sainsbury's, two seconds in, inside front cover, Santa's getting in running gear. <laughs> Fundraiser spotted. <laughs> Eco home conversion plans for water tower. How interesting. <laughs> <laughs> New parking charges are driving people away from our village. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Story. You've pe- kind of got to put that one in because there's kind of a pun, isn't there? Driving people away, but yep, <laughs> still not a not a news story in it. Yeah. Um. The biggest news story there is from EastEnders to the world's end for actor. Yeah. In Welland, we had a bloke who had one or two lines, probably not even that, a syllable maybe, <laughs> in the world's end. Switched on the Christmas lights in our town, and they got him to say some sentences about it. It's quite small, Welland, isn't it? That's my paper in a nutshell. Uh, the Metro. Aura film coup sparks 50 shades of outrage. This this pissed me off because, okay, Rita Ora has been cast as Mia in the 50 Shades of Grey film and fans are annoyed by that. I've read 50 Shades of Grey. Do you want to know how many scenes Mia is in? Go on. Two. <laughs> she has less than eight lines in total. Out of the 500-page book, paragraphs including Mia make up less than two pages. Um. Why are fans pissed off? Anyway, you have read Fifty Shades, haven't you? Yes, I have. Bless you. <laughs> you know you can't unread that. No, never. You say that with a pat on the head, Rick. Uh, Daily Mirror. Judge ordered docs to cut me open and take my baby. I haven't been watching X Factor for a while, man. It's changed, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what the f- <laughs> Sick mind. <laughs> Chow mean. China doesn't think much of our country <laughs> with a headline like that. Can you blame them? Dim Bojo. Uh, guess what? Boris Johnson, stupid. In a shift this week for bullshit headlines. Good headline. Good, good news story. Good story. Kim's uncle in enforced career break. I like this one. <laughs> Nothing to do with the Kardashians. Korea's Kim Jong-un sacked his uncle. I think that's a great headline. Yeah. Career break. Um, and then I saw this one. I flicked over a couple of pages. Adam and Thieve. And I thought, yes! A Christmas headline. A bullshit Christmas headline. 
Um, but it's only kind of, kind of really. Someone stole a Bible. That's it. <laughs> you really let me down there. I know. You built it up so much. I was, it was only as I was typing in Adam and Thief that I thought, oh no, that's not really a Christmas story. Not really. <laughs> We're still searching, folks. Mm-hmm. The Metro. Any chance of more chips? So someone completed a hideously unhealthy eating challenge. Two things. First off, this was on page three, right after the front page story about someone being forced to drink to excess that it had killed them. Weirdly, secondly, just because someone made a TV show about competing food challenges doesn't mean it's newsworthy. Fact. Toxic mice unleashed on snake invaders. <laughs> Not said there. <laughs> that, that just creates a wonderful mental image there. I, I wanted to read the rest of the story and I thought, no, I don't need to. <laughs> you don't need to. Your imagination is better in that case. And I thought I would end this because I really like this one. The standard I've seen just now, sad climax for bad sex award. Appar- Apparently, <laughs> there's Apparently there's an award for the worst sex scene in a piece of media and the standard used the one and only headline possible where something negative happens in that story. Brilliant. Uh, thank you very much, newspapers. We couldn't do it without you. That's the Bullsheet Headlines. We'll be back with more next week. Ho, ho, ho. I'm Santa. And everybody knows I was invented by Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola are here for you this Christmas From the little ones to mom and dad We want to all enslave to the mass corporate machine Of sugary brown chemicals That's right, Rudolph Coke is nice, and if you buy over 60 bottles this Christmas, we'll give you a free headstone engraving. When you're with Coke, you're with us for life. Look at the cute animals. Base your decision to buy our product on them. And pretty Christmas lights. It makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside, like you're a child again. Dear Mr. Santa Claus, please can you give me a sugary brown chemical this Christmas? Okay, little Timmy, you've got it. Coca-Cola is lovingly made by our loving Coca-Cola bottling factory facility on an industrial estate. It's got pretty lights on it so you know it's not just our factory, but it's your factory. But we own the deed and it really is ours. And we drive Coca-Cola to your shops in massive vans that light up like nuclear fission reactors going into meltdown using fossil fuels that will turn the planet upside down. Ho, ho, ho! Mmm, please give me a Coke for every drink, Master. Mmm, I love the taste. Coca-Cola. It's sugary brown chemicals. Buy it, because this advert makes you feel nostalgic, you fucking sheep. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Oh, no. We need something for the 7 o'clock again. Damn it, it's so hard coming up with great and interesting content. Free schools are a big issue right now, to some people. 
Could we do an editorial feature, maybe? No, something needs to be less effort, not more. I mean, we're not made of effort here, you know? I mean, I know I gotta sit through this kid's dumb school nativity play next week. Anyway, can we do something about that? Okay, how about, aren't nativity plays interesting, let's point a camera at one. Yeah, something like that, but make it seem like it's, it's got an issue or something. Come on, people, get me some Christmas content. Hello, I'm first name, last name, and I'm here at Stockport Primary School in Greater Torquay. And we're here to find out something I've been wondering about for a while. This is what Jesus really looked like when he was born in a stable in the year zero. Now, for some reason, we make our children perform a play based on that story every year called The Nativity. But Jesus doesn't look like this in Nativity plays. He looks like this. He's made of plastic and you can drop him on his head and hit him as much as you want. And no one gets sued or put on a register. So what I want to know is why Jesus is played by a plastic doll in Nativity Plays. Now, I'm here with Mr. Teacher. So, Mr. Teacher, you're in charge of this year's Nativity Play. That must be exciting. Not really, do it every year, never really that different. Why do you use a plastic toy to play Jesus when your pupils perform the play? Well, we got sued once when we used a real one. And why did you get sued? Can't remember. Fascinating. I'm here with Professor Historyman of the University of History in London. So, Professor, you think Jesus actually was made out of plastic? Uh, well, yes. Uh, you see, the, the nativity plays use plastic. I think they're not wrong to. Uh, I think in order to maintain uh, health and safety in those days, because the the conditions would have been ghastly. Uh, human beings evolved uh, plastic-like skin so they could be born in stables, and it would be okay if they were dropped on their heads. And you've written a book? Yes. Uh, not on this subject, though. Wow. So, I've had an amazing time making this documentary. I met a teacher and a man who wrote a book. Wow, I bet I know what you're thinking, viewers. Licence fee well spent. Now here's a clip of some TV show or movie you're not interested in that's either coming out or will be broadcast soon. See you next week. Bye. Hello and welcome back to This Week I Read, a section of the show where Rick and I seek out publications which really, really shouldn't be critically analysed and critically analyse them. If, if you're picturing us in Valdonican jumpers next to a fire, <laughs> you're not far wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're attempting to do here. So I thought we'd take a Christmas gift for children, since we are completely outside of any sort of demographic to do with children. Yeah and analyse Christmas annuals, mm. which are the perfect gift for someone's kid that you know approximately three words about, <laughs> their name, their age, and what they're currently obsessing over. Either A, a TV show, B, a toy, or C, a musician. 
Well, musician is a bit too kindly a word, but you get what I mean here. Um, you see, I'm not sure if kids actually want or read these anymore, but they must sell loads because hardback publishing is the most expensive form of print media. And in WH Smith, they're all like eight quid each, man. And they're, they're kind of they're still going in the age of iPads. You know, they say the ebooks making the physical book disappear, but there's stacks and stacks of them in there. Um, now I made you go and buy the Justin Bieber one. <laughs> How, Thanks for that. How how was walking through Sainsbury's with that? Oh, um, I did what I did before, and I bought Nuts magazine, covered it with a big family masaka. <laughs> the standard standard trick for stuff that you really shouldn't be buying, and people will look at you weirdly with. No one, no one's going to think anything weird of somebody buying a family sized <laughs> masaka, are they? Yeah, especially someone who looks like me. He's got a family; they eat masaka. <laughs> <laughs> so, I tell you, sorry. Quick aside, I went into Poundland and asked her, have you got any Christmas annuals? And she had to ask her mate, and her mate turned around to me and said, for 2014, and because I wasn't buying it for, the, for anyone, I kind of shrugged and went, whatever. <laughs> I, was, I, was expect, I was expecting them to turn, turn to his friend and go, is he on the register, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Yeah. Um, so you, Justin Bieber, annual, shoot. Um, okay, it's called the Justin Bieber 2014 annual. Semicolon, don't mention the hookers. <laughs> <laughs> Must note that's in quotation marks. I made it up. It's definitely a lie joke thing. Don't sue us. <laughs> So yeah, it starts out with a general fact page that, seriously, anyone who is a fan of Justin Bieber will know his middle name, star sign, nationality, birthplace, and possibly the latitude and longitudinal coordinates to his house by this point. I can't imagine the Justin Bieber 2013 annual did anything different, and just, this is Justin Bieber, this is what he does and is. It's what annuals do, isn't it? They lay it out. Pretty, pretty much. When Google exists, why why does this shit exist? I think, I think maybe annuals... Certainly in Justin Bieber's case, I imagine his audience, they're growing up now. I was working in schools and, you know, it was 14-year-olds four years ago, so they're growing up now. So the annuals really is kind of a last pitch for him to get into the younger market and get kind of another new generation in there again, maybe eight or nine-year-olds again. I do see that, but at the same time, it's just so... You can read this online, like, eight-year-olds and have iPads now. Like, un- underneath all of his information and stuff, in mm. a big heart, they've got JB Loves... Beliebers, basketball, ice hockey, and Italian food. And in a white rhombus next to it, it's got JB hates. Because <laughs> apparently a rhombus is the opposite of a love heart. Um, <laughs> he hates Ugg boots on girls and being labelled a teen heartthrob. I'm surprised at the Ugg boots ones. <laughs> I am. I'm more surprised at the teen heartthrob one, because do we need to show you pie charts of your primary demographic and statistical analysis of how many fans have a crush on you who are teenagers, Justin? No one is that deluded. Also, stop having topless photos of yourself. If you don't want to be a teen heartthrob. I mean, oh. we shouldn't be moaning at Justin himself, though, because I doubt that he wrote a single word of this. In fact, I doubt that he even knows that this was published. No. Um, yeah, but after that, they have Justin's story with Justin doing a pose like Moses atop the mountain with the caption reading, In the beginning! (laughs) On March the 1st, 1994, in London, Ontario, Canada. Wow, I see someone definitely doesn't have a messiah complex there. Seriously, that sarcasm was strong enough to split this dimension in half, you little tit weasel. But yeah, in a quote from his, in the quote from this, it says, From an early age, he displayed a precocious, 
Yes, they did use the word precocious. He displayed a precocious talent for music. He could turn his hand to many instruments and could sing with the kind of control and power that most professional singers would kill for. That's a weird one, isn't it? They would kill for his singing power. I know, it's strangely so, worded. What would, uh, like, because, you know, violence and all that, they don't like using that for kids, do they, anymore? So Not really. What would the other, I th- do you think maybe they thought it was a toss-up between that and they would die for his singing power, and then they thought, <laughs> now, teenage suicide is a much bigger buzzword than teenage <laughs> murder. We'll just go down with the kill for his singing power route. Um, yeah, it was a big big decision for the writers. This is written in such a psychotic manner, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then after that, we have two pages on his last tour containing a set list and pictures and nothing about him spitting on people, beating up security guards and being two hours late on stage and getting strip searched at an airport for, hmm, I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder- I saw in the papers. <laughs> but, of course, since this was written by his personal assistants and PR departments, it's understandable why they left out the nasty stuff, really. We have to get the 100% unofficial believer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the stuff that we saw in the papers that his PR people don't want you seeing. Yeah. Right, and then after that, two pages in his own words, which is just an interview. Mm. Two pages. Isn't the point of the annual meant to be it's up close and personal with Justin Bieber? And we got two pages on stuff he's actually said. That's disappointing. On expectations for his music, well, I want girls Sorry, to Sorry, can you do this in a Justin Bieber voice for me, please? <laughs> well, I want girls to hear my music and want to play it again because it makes their hearts feel good. <laughs> I couldn't find a receptacle to vomit in fast enough, Rick. I had to clean up my puke. That's what this show has done to me. <laughs> Not for the first time. <laughs> um, anything else from him? Um, on what people think of him, the biggest misconception about me is that I'm a bad person. I get upset about that. I have a big heart and I want to be a good role model, but some people want me to fail. And so you do by using women as sex objects to be bought and paid for, you prick. Sorry, allegedly. Yeah, you have to be careful with that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> seriously though the big is that I'm a bad person I don't think that is the biggest misconception about you no I think the biggest misconception is that he's shit hang on wait a minute precociously talented musician I think that would be the biggest misconception <laughs> definitely that one they're a bit culty with their language and that a bit, a bit yeah because the most horrible bit came the next page do you speak believer which offers made-up words to differentiate between social categories. <laughs> we need more words to differentiate between social categories, don't Related we? to a celebrity. <laughs> Belieber, an obsessive fan of Justin Bieber. Bebet, mm. named for a female uber fan of Justin. See also Belieber in Basi- brackets. Basically the same thing there, yeah. Eager Bieber, a fan who will stop at nothing to meet Justin. Three mm. things for the same thing at the moment now. <laughs> Non-Belieber. Detractor of Justin Bieber, personal group to be avoided and spat on and threatened with violence. <laughs> okay, I made that part up, but seriously, this is true and that's how creepy it is. So, four phrases to describe two things, one of which is not the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, they have other be- made-up Bieber-related words, like Bieber-tastic, word to describe something incredible related to Justin Bieber. It's seriously like a cult. Wow, that hooker was amazing. It was Bieber-tastic. <laughs> it was Bieber-tastic. <laughs> okay, okay, that well, that wasn't as that wasn't careful at all, Rick. <laughs> I what? said we said tread delicately here, <laughs> and then it has. Oh God, this is the creepiest page in the entire thing. Lusting for Justin, 
How would you and JB look together? Why not cut out pictures of yourself and cut out pictures of Justin and stick them together on this photo frame? Have fun cutting and matching the backgrounds in your future life as a serial stalker. No, it is not an innocent idle fantasy. Apply any other situation where someone would do something like that, then it's ground for a lawsuit and psychiatric therapy. Here's me peeking through his bedroom window. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Do you see what I mean here? Mm. It's so creepy. Ah, uh, do you? So, not a fan of the Justin Bieber thing, then? No, and I'm seriously disturbed. Wicked. So, from Justin Bieber, who everybody knows about, um, we wanted to find a kind of a kids' TV programme, uh, and I found Wizards vs. Aliens, which I don't know anything about. No, I'd it, never heard of it until you mentioned it to me. Um, it's from Russell T. Davis, who, you know, Doctor Who fans will know and like. Yes, um, I'm a massive I th- fan of Doctor Who, not so much of Russell T. himself. I think it's a, a BBC kind of TV series so it's kind of behind that so i thought right i'm gonna look at it and and see what it's got to offer um starts off with your kind of general character bios basically it's it's a set of kids with wizardry powers couple of adults and a kind of hobgoblin thing well given russell t davies history on characterization it kind of makes sense that he would have to write it all down in a book because he can't be asked to do it on tv oh no there is a good bit though there is some great characterization uh, in the supporting <laughs> cast they're only kind of given like half a page each on their bios and um, there's a cracking pair who are described as very middle-aged they look about 35 by the way but i guess if you're eight that is about right and in a sign of the times, their middle classness is emphasized, emphasized by the fact that their dad is a software developer, which I thought was amazing. <laughs> when the, I remember when we were watching kids, everyone was either a train driver or a fireman or like now we have characters in children's TV shows that are software developers. So I thought that was quite funny that he was a software developer, but not as funny as when I read on to discover that their mortal enemies are called Grazlax, which is just far too close to Gravelax to be a coincidence for me. Yeah. This couple are the generational equivalent of hummus and sun-dried tomatoes (laughs) being in Sainsbury's basics range. You know what I mean? (laughs) I like them already. I think they'd be a laugh. They look like a cool couple. I'm probably not going to watch it, but yeah, I see what you mean there. There's a bit of social commentary going on. Um, The baddies consist of a giant walnut called Nelros and the ugly son of Predator called Varg. Genuinely, honestly, quite scary. Uh, there's also a Rupert Murdoch figure who's bent on taking the world over with all his money, uh, which they've made a woman, which is nice as well. You know, it's balance. So that's the programme. So we now, you know, that was in the first five, six pages I managed to discern all of that. Obviously, it's Wizards versus Aliens. Um, but what about is there to do in the annual? Um, the, fairly early on, there's a page where you're encouraged. They kind of look like the outline of the aliens in a photo, but the, the alien's face has been blanked out, and they encourage you to draw the face of one of your <laughs> teachers, which is good. I yeah, like, yeah I, I approve of that. I like this book. I think, yeah, you're, you're, especially you know. for lads as well who were like, oh, I don't want a book, you know. But if you say, yeah, but you could draw a stupid picture of your teacher, which is essentially, if you extrapolate that out for 25 years... That's what we're doing now, Stuart. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so yeah, I, th- I, I, I see your point. I see your point there. It's like having fun with it. But yeah, that's kind of what the annual is really. The quiz slash words word search slash spot the difference things. It is basically just like one of those general adult puzzle annuals, but with some funny characters in the background. I was really glad to see them in it, though. All the annuals we've got have still got. The, all them kind of elements 
I was kind of, you know, and you think iPads and all that. I was expecting some QR code that kind of took you to a website and you put your Google Glass on and you take part in a massively multiplayer online battle with kids in Japan. But no, it's still it's still, it's still word crosswords and things. It's kind of cute in its own little way. Seriously, if I recommend to anybody if you're feeling <laughs> a bit old and a bit down with the world and thinking, you know, it's all accelerating too fast, go and spend a quid in Sainsbury's cover it up with a Masaka. <laughs> Masaka Do the Masaka trick. Go home. And have a read of an annual. It's like stepping yeah. back in time. It's and like Christmas of yours. Yeah. yeah, it's good. There's even a fucking Sudoku in one of in the <laughs> Wizards versus I Aliens. I can't believe that. To be honest, that pleases me. I'm happy. Um, I'm. I know. I am too. I'm glad these things exist, and I don't think it's kids that are buying them. After you've said that, I think it's adults that are buying them. Just so. the art of nostalgia. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't even. It doesn't even matter what the annual's about. They've not updated them, and I'm glad they haven't. Um, best quote from Wizards versus Aliens. Typical. I finally get a friend, and he gets me eaten by aliens. Have I mentioned that I like this book? Yeah, because you wouldn't read that sentence anywhere else. No. Brilliant album. Um, speaking of stuff that you wouldn't read anything else, uh, read anywhere else, Moshi Monsters was mm. the other annual that I got. Um, it's this sticker toy phenomenon thing that's actually getting a movie out in cinemas very soon. But if our show is called What the Fuck and we didn't cover Moshi Monsters at some point, we'd be doing our name a disservice. We had to do it, yeah. Um, yeah, it's basically this generation's Pokemon, random monsters that do stuff. Like at least Pokemon kicked each other's heads in. These monsters just exist. Mm. As a survivor of the Pokemon craze, I'd just like to apologise to everyone five years my senior on behalf of my age group. I'm so sorry. I've no idea what came over all of us. Apology accepted. <laughs> kind of. It, it, <laughs> it wasn't my fault. It was like a disease. It was 995. We were off our heads. Yeah. <laughs> we were off our heads on sweets. Yeah. Um, the Moshi Monsters annual seems to. Like like with Wizard vs. Aliens, just be a puzzle book with some monsters adding some vague pretext behind the puzzle. Like a crossword with pirate monster things with speech bubbles and this thing with eyes in a top hat, which is called Dr. Strangelove. And you've really? got to, Yeah, it is. Yeah. Nice. A weird reference. And you've got to figure out the names of his inventions by word picture associations. And there's a cake recipe with the most psychedelic image I've ever seen. <laughs> a talking horse with her arms crossed saying... Don't forget your toothbrush. That is wicked, man. Which is good. It's encouraging. <laughs> but as dumb as all this shit is, when you're looking at it on the surface and the flamingos and the fluffy purple thing with an eye patch, it does, I've noticed, depend on the tone in which you read it. Watch me read this, which is a segment from A Trip to Long Lagoon, which describes the history of the Moshi monsters in their Moshi town or whatever. Okay. Oh, look, it's another Valdunican bit. Stuart reads... <laughs> the Great Custard Flood of 99999.5. How important was the Gunji Custard Catastrophe? It's the most devastating occurrence in Monstro City history. Very few monsters can remember firsthand the day that Mount Eggycrest erupted, spilling yellow ooze in all directions. It glooped into the ocean. It gunged into the valleys. The custody stuff even slimed its way through the streets, smothering everything in its path. Even though the Great Flood happened oodles of years ago, every moshy history book records the date in big letters. If it wasn't for hard-working titchy trundle boats turning up to rebuild the place, Monstro City would still be a soggy custard swamp today. That's amazing. 
Now, that could easily pass for a William Burroughs vignette. Yeah. Like, insert a talking arsehole and it would just be a William Burroughs vignette. That's the most <laughs> cultured reference that I've made in this show. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. But, uh... <laughs> Some Someone somewhere will get it. But <laughs> it, it, it may be obvious for us to go, ooh, someone's been smoking some gnarly shit to make all this up. But it's actually quite philosophical and psychedelic story of this weird interdimensional island of beings from another place and their terrible custard flood. Yeah, but then I realised, one of their monsters, their nemesis in this book, Dr. Strangelove, this being a reference, assumedly, to the Stanley Kubrick 1964 satire movie Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Must be. Which is mainly concerned with mutually assured destruction and methods of human survival in the wake of an ensuing nuclear catastrophe. So maybe Moshi Monsters is a sequel to Kubrick's Dr. Strangelove set in a dystopian future where mankind has evolved into these bizarre multicoloured hybrids. I hope, man. That's what I'm reading it as. So, yeah, Moshi Monsters, a dark parable of our times. I must say, <laughs> I've really enjoyed the Christmas annuals. Yeah, I, I think we should buy some more of them. There you go. Christmas annuals have finally got Stuart and Rick into the Christmas spirit. <laughs> into the Christmas spirit. Uh, yeah, keep this up, publishers. We want to be encouraging. Maybe Christmas annuals will survive the death of the printed book. Hey, Dad, what are those things? What things? Those things. With some band, some TV show, or some sport on front of them. Uh, I, I don't know. I've, I've never seen anything like them before. They're, they're made of... It, it's a sort of flappy thing with words on it, isn't it? What is it, Dad? I'm scared. I, I think I remember. We had them when I was a little boy. They're, they're I, books, I think. Is that, is that the word? Hello, you're listening to High Culture from the 21st century. The date is the 16th of December, 2134, and this Christmas sees the return of popular old-world media, the book. Yes, the book was a popular thing for people to give each other at Christmas before mind paper was invented. In the 21st century, and centuries before that, people would buy a book, turn the pages, and look at the words, absorbing them with their eyes. It's amazing to think how these primitive people lived their lives before books were translated into mind paper. One such book we see here is the One Direction Annual, now reprinted and available in supermarkets, where we see a quote from a Harry Styles saying, Sometimes people don't see me as the real me, they see a representation of an image, which is not the real me. They must have been such a cultured people. Yes, the Christmas Annual was a popular book among the young humans at Christmas time. They would read speech bubbles and pieces of paragraphs and pictures on a page and then they would put it down after they'd read it and never bother reading it again. Why any child would want such meaningless drivel as Christmas annuals remains a mystery, which is why we're going to be dissecting a fossilised human brain later in the show to see if we can understand. Recently unearthed Christmas annuals are available in the shops now for the first time since the Stuart Hardy Cultural Revolution of the 2050s. (laughs) 
so that's it for the second week of What the Fuck is Christmas, asking What the Fuck is Christmas. We've just got time to round up who's having a good Christmas and who's having a bad Christmas so far this week. And it's been a good Christmas for Jordan Williams. Who, you might ask? Well, none other than the UK's top Michael Bublé tribute act and also the proud owner of, of the Mr. England title. How do you know who this person is and why are they having a good Christmas, you might well rightly ask. Well, somehow, by only doing these two things, and again, only saying he's going to enter next season's Britain's Got Talent contest, he's managed to blag himself into the national press with his self-written and produced and published, I think, Christmas number one single. With a whopping 232 likes on Facebook. Wow. I'd say he's already won in my eyes. Numbers. Simon Cowell must be shitting himself. (laughs) Literally. But it's been a bad Christmas for Ollie Murs, who, even though we're only in the first week of December, has already had his 2014 annual slashed to £2 in the supermarkets, but it's still more expensive than Justin Bieber's one, which I got for a quid. Mm. Murs' latest album was called Right Time, Right Place. No comment was sought on the suggestion that the correct answers to which are 2011 and Sainsbury's. Indeed. But it's been a good Christmas for shoppers, because someone's worked out that you can feed a family of eight with Christmas dinner this year for £22. This includes turkey, spuds, carrots, parsnips, sprouts, stuffing, cranberry sauce, Christmas pudding, Christmas cake, brandy butter, and mince pies at £2.73 per head. That is amazing. That is amazing. Great bit of research. You're going to have to spend about a week going from all the supermarkets, because there was pretty much just (laughs) one object at each place. Put some effort in, people. Worth it. Um, however, it's looking like there won't be snow at High Jellers this Christmas. Accused of being so off her tits for the past decade, she missed a £300,000 credit card bill. The resulting court case has unfortunately laid out what I'd imagine was something she was hoping to keep quiet. At least until the Christmas party scene was finished, anyway. Uh, it has. It is, however, looking like a very good Christmas... For the Lawsons, uh, Nigella's family must be incredibly excited about the presents they're bound to get this year for the price of silence on Christmas Day. Well, I was going to bring up your coke habit, Auntie Nigella, but seeing as you've just bought me a series of Caribbean islands, I'm just going to munch on this gold-plated mince pie you made and let this one fly. Yeah, brilliant Christmas for them, but it has been a bad Christmas for Lost Profits fans who had tattoos. That's all we're saying on that's that That's as story. close as we're going to get to that. Uh, right, that's all from us, but we'll be back next week. Also, I just wanted to say, check out the motorsport show on Zomon Radio. It's got celebrities and comedians and everything, and they even talk about motorsport occasionally. Cue the carol singers. One, two, three, four. We three drunk, so All in a taxi, off to the bar. Our work is paying, we'll be swaying. It's Christmas, let's go too far. Oh, oh, jar of eggnog, glass of beer Let's drink for Christmas, that's why we're here The boss is frowning, shots, we're downing drinks Our office slots, he's off on the hunt He's on the search for his Christmas King forever ceasing, never directs is his sponsor Oh, jar of eggnog, pint of gin the Christmas spirit is what we're in. The boss is frowning, shots we're drowning, drinking till head don't spin. Smirnoff blue to offer a buy. Imported whiskey caught my eye. 
Let's have a race to get off our face. That's what God would have wanted. Oh, jar of egg, no bucket of brandy. This should get us really brandy. The boss's frowning shots were downing. Even our kids are drinking shandy. Merlot is mine, it's bitter perfume. Reason to life, our impending doom. Sorrowing, crying, bleeding, dying. It's Saturday up the tune. Oh, jar of egg, no flag of a sherry. Let's just drink until we're merry. The boss's frowning shots were downing. We're pissed to honor the Virgin Mary. Glorious now, behold it arise. King and God are spurred off ice. Alcohola, alcohola, earth to heaven replies. Oh, jar of egg, no barrel of stout. You think there'd be a fucking drought? The boss's frowning shots were downing. It's what it's all about. This is O1 Radio. This is O1 Radio.